Good evening. Welcome back to another episode. This is your host, John Rosenberg, live from Jacksonville. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, those of us who are in the States, uh, those of us who are around the world. Um, this is a Fidel Castro Unbiased podcast. We will be talking about Fidel Castro. Uh, this is part two. Uh, like I told you guys before, this is a part two, a continuation of the first podcast I did on Fidel Castro Unbiased. This is part two. Uh, on this episode, we're going to focus on Filgero Batista. Filgero Batista. Uh, Batista was born Ruben Saldiva, Saldava on January 16, 1901, and he died on August 6, 1973 in, in Spain. Uh, he was a, a Cuban pol- a politician who served as the president of Cuba from 1940 to 1944. As it, um, then he was, um, he, he became a, a U.S. dictator from 1952 to 1959. Um, that's when the U.S. Uh, back, he was backed by the U.S. military at that time. And then he, um, how he became to power, um, before he became to power, he was a surgeon. He, they had a coup. Um, the Cuban Revolution, Batista initially rose to power as a part of the 1932 revolt of the surgeons. And that's how he became to power in 1933. There was a revolt of the surgeon. He was part of that revolt. Um, like I said, the, the Western media and those white Cuban in Miami, they always like to focus on Fidel Fidel. Now, Fidel was a nationalist who became a dictator. Uh, that's how I look at Fidel. You know, he yes, he was a socialist because, you know, you have to put yourself in Fidel Castro's shoes. You know, people like to criticize and put people on a cross. You actually say, what would I do if I was in that position? What, would, what, would, what, what kind of decision as a person? What would I do in, in his position? You have to understand. And um, we also quit, quit to judge because we, we all get the story one-sided. And that's why I call this podcast Unbiased because I want you to listen to it from an unbiased point of view because I got no race on the uh, horse. I got no horse on the race. So I'm not going to be biased. Um, most people say, oh, you're not from Cuba. I don't care whether I'm from Cuba or not. That's irrelevant. I, I study history. So I know the history of Cuba. So that being said, that's why I, I will talk about Batista. Batista was a mulatto. Uh, those of us who don't know what mulatto means, mulatto have a lot of uh, meaning. Uh, from the French, from the original 1828 dictionary, uh, if you look at the word mulatto, it would mean brown. It means brown. And French, it means brown. And Spanish would be like... Uh, in those days, in the 1600s and 1500s, mulatto was anybody, regardless of race, um, that married into another culture or another... Um, culture that child will consider as a mulatto now in today's day and age when you mention mulatto is like a mixed child uh, mixed breed between white and black but back then uh, the french word for mulatto is mean fr- it mean brown uh, it's just a brown color um back in the 1600 to 1500 when you may say mulatto is two people whether they're colored or not that's intermarriage and their children will be viewed as a mulatto. That's the definition of a mulatto. Those of us who don't know what mulatto means. That being said, Batista was a pendeo maricon. And I'm saying it's not to be rude, but I'm just saying that's how I feel about him. Because a lot of those white Cubans in Miami, they always always make you think that it was Castro's 
because Castro, Batista was the catalyst of Castro a revolt overtaking the uh, the uh, the government. Because remember, he he served as a president from 1940 to 1944. Then he was backed by the U.S. military as a dictator from 1952 to 1959. During that reign, he killed, he tortured, he did a lot of public execution. Over 20,000 people were killed in Cuba. Over 20,000 people were killed. This is what the Western media would not put in the press. They would not put in the Time magazine. They would not put that on in you know CNN. They would not put none of that stuff in this because you know US the US government, that's what I'm talking about. The government is is nasty. It's rotten from the bottom up. It's rotten. So those are the things they, those are the dirty deeds that the US government do um, do other countries. And then when stuff when when shit hit the fan, when stuff go bad, when stuff goes sour, they like to put fingers. He's the bad. I don't know if you've seen that scene in um What's that scene, that drug movie, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, when he said, I'm the bad guy. You like the bad guy, huh? You like to see the bad guy. I'm the bad guy. So um, Al Capone, I think it's Al Capone, Al Pacino in, uh, in that drug movie. So you see that scene where he said, I'm the bad guy. Society likes to put the finger on the bad guy. But the bad guy is really your government. That being said... Batista died of a heart attack in Spain. He was in, he lived in Portugal also. He died in a small island uh, in Spain. During that time, and this is another thing that most people don't understand, uh, the, the island he died was Marbella. Marbella, Marbella in Spain. That's where he died of a heart attack in, 19, in August 6, 1973. Now, this is what Batista was doing behind closed door, which the U.S. government was aware of. Um, he, was, he aligned himself with the wealthiest landowners who own the largest 70% of the arable land in Cuba. And, and then they repre- it was a, Batista was a, a repressive government. Then, it, systematically, he, he profited from those exploitation of Cuban commercial interests by negotiating lucrative uh, relation uh, with both the American mafia who control um, the drug, the gambling, prostitution, and business in Havana. You see, he aligned himself with the American mafia who control drugs, gambling, prostitution, businesses in Havana. So, uh, and plus with large U.S. multinational companies. So like I just told you, 70% of the arable land were owned by U.S., and that's why Castro, when he was going to, when Castro was seen as a, as a student, remember he was part of the, like, a student, uh, he was marching as a student, and they put him in jail, if you guys remember. Um, those of us who watched um, the documentary of Castro, they show you that where he was protesting against Batista regime, that Batista was using, he was killing people randomly, and he was, back then, he was backed by the U.S. government, so that he couldn't do no wrong. All those guns that they, he had was provided by the U.S. government, if you didn't know that. Those of us who study history are already aware of that. And this is this is podcast is mostly for those of us who don't know who Batista was. Because those white Cubans, especially those white middle-class Cubans in Miami, they always like to tell, oh, Castro, El Pendejo, his, this is no goo, my friend, no goo, papi, no goo. No, he's very good. 
because he made the country better than what Batista was doing. Now, I understand, like I told you guys before, of course, a dictator is, is, is kill people, okay? If you don't disagree, if you disagree with him, he will kill you. And that's all dictators, including your president. They kill people every day of the week. So they don't put down the press because that's bad press for the president and for the country. President kill people, dictator, kings and queens, they kill people. But dictators, they're known for killing people, especially those of us who disagree um, with that dictator in that country. So, yes, um, I'll do a podcast on Che Guevara, uh, the Argentinian um, revolutionary. They call him the leftist. I think he was the realist. I won't call him a leftist, but I'll call him a realist. He believed in his ideal of, of, of freedom for everybody. But Castro, Castro wanted to... He saw the disparity between the poor whites, the poor Cubans, and the rich Cuban, because they, they they own about seven to eighty percent of the of the land, and they were controlled every market. Yeah, America had control. That's why he that's why when Castro took over, he nationalized everything, because they wasn't making no money. You know, only the only the U.S. government was making money in the mafia. Like I told you, the mafia controlled the gambling, the drugs, and the prostitution in Cuba. So the mafia was well off. They were making millions of dollars. And the, the U.S. Uh, company, multinational companies, were like, you know, like Bobo, Exxon Mobil, and those companies, the Sugar Cane Company, the airline company, the tourist company, they were making a ton of money out of Cuba. And that's why Castro was really mad because he saw, and then Castro too, he come from wealth too because his father was a wealthy Landowner, he owned a plantation, and that plantation there was like over fifty thousand Haitian that was working on that plantation. So Castro saw all those things transpire as a young man, as a child growing up, and he himself, like I told you before, he was a bastard child. He was born out of redlock. I told you that before. His father had an affair with the maid, and the maid bare him two children, which is Raúl and Fidel Castro. I think they have a third child, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. But the two prominent ones are Fidel Castro and Raul Castro. Those two, they were born out of wedlock. Okay? That being said, Batista was a pendejo maricón. He never did anything for Cuba. Okay? Even though himself he was a mulatto, there was a report I was watching on, on, on documentary where in those days he couldn't go to those rich Cubans in those rich American houses. He was, there was a golf course in Cuba, and I, he was a sitting president at that time, from what I understand. And he was not welcome because he's a mulatto. So he was not welcome to the golf course to play golf because of his uh, color. That being said, Batista never did anything for the Cuban people as a whole. All he did was he run the country like with the iron fist. After he was elected, you know, before for four years, then... He was backed by the U.S. military, uh, U.S. government, from 1952 to 1959. He ruled the country like with an iron fist, killing a lot of people. I told you he, he killed over from as uh, public execution to um, you know torturing and killing. He killed over 20,000 people. That's a lot of people, man. That's a lot of people within five, five years' time. You know. 1952 to that's like seven years between that 70 seven years windows he killed 20,000 people that's a lot of people okay and in an island like Cuba is a small island it's not it's big but it's one of the biggest island besides Haiti in Dominican Republic 
but Cuba is, is the, the, the largest island by far. But he see how much people he killed. Now remember, I told you guys about the the first Exodus. Now we're gonna tap into that the first Exodus out of Cuba when Castro took over. Now most of you don't understand that why these white Cubans feel the way they feel about Castro. Number one, most of them came from wealth in Cuba. Secondly, they didn't like the fact that they didn't they couldn't make no money from the island anymore, so they were pissed off. And third of all, they were shipped out the country. Even though Castro, to his credit, he wanted to work and negotiate with them, but they wanted to rule with the They didn't want to negotiate. They didn't want to share the profit. So Castro said, okay, I'll give you two options. You either die or you leave the country. So a lot of them end up leaving the country, going to Miami Beach. And that's why they're so popular in South, Beach, in South Florida, Central Florida right now. They own a lot of properties down there. Because they was able to integrate, most of them are Spaniard anyway, let's be clear on that. Most of them are Spaniard who have Cuban nationality. Let's keep that shit real, okay? Don't get bamboozled out there. Those, and have you noticed that during when um, Castro passed away a couple years ago? I think it was two years ago now. Did you see any black Cubans out there? Any black Americans out there? Any any Jamaican out there protect, happy? No, only, only you only saw white Cubans taking the shirt off and going monkey apes in the street of South Beach. You didn't see no Haitian out there uh, happy about his death. You didn't see those black Cubans out there. Those black Cubans, they, they, they're unbiased too. They will tell you about Castro. They will tell you what they like about Castro. They will tell you what they didn't like. But unlike those white Cubans in Miami, especially those white middle class, they always focus on Castro downfall. They never focus in, in, on, on his success as a leader. They always say, oh, he's a pendejo, mighty Kong. He's a tyrant, you know. He's this, he's that, because, they, because America support their dumb ass. That's why they can say what they want to say. They couldn't say that shit in Cuba because they'll be executed. But in America, they can make those statements because nobody will touch them because they are backed up by the U.S. government. So that's why a lot of them were killed in the bigger pigs during the JFK administration. And that's another th- that's another failure that they can stand till this day that they lost that that that, that uh, war. Because if they had won that war, they would have been able if, if they had overthrew the the, the Fidel Castro uh, regime, they would be able to to control to take control of the island again and do the exact same thing they were doing before. Don't let them fool you with this thing or oh, they're doing it for the people. They don't care about the people. They had all this time to do right by the people. They never did. They never did. Just like the U.S. government. They never do right by the people. They all do right by the rich and the powerful. And that's the same thing for those white Cubans. They own most of the wealth, like the Bacardi family. That's one of them that came to mind. Because Bacardi, a lot of you guys who drink Bacardi, that's one of the family that was there in Cuba, that was shipped out of Cuba. They ended up going to, they fled to Puerto Rico. And they do have a large a distillery here in Jacksonville, Florida. That's why I don't drink their stuff anymore. I used to drink Bacardi. I stopped drinking it because I know they, they were racist as hell and they were greedy as hell. They didn't want to share the profit with the locals. And then you have to understand with Sheikh Avara, which I'll do a whole podcast on him, he was um, Castro right hand. He met Castro in, in Mexico and he was a medical student. He was not part of, he didn't want to be part of the, at first he didn't want to be part of it, but when Castro explained to him what was going on in Cuba, 
he's from Argentina, so he didn't really know, he know what was going on. He was he was not aware of all the stuff that Batista was doing. You know, you stuff you see in the news one thing, then when somebody's telling you from the ground, that's another perspective. So he's getting from the horse's mouth. The Castro was like, "Yo, listen, man, this guy, we need to get rid of him ASAP." Or you are you down to join the, the guerrilla warfare to get me this, to be part, and that's how he became um, Fidel Castro, right, right hand man. And he was the one that put for literacy for the country. He was one of the the pioneers that was telling Castro, "You need to educate the people, because the, the power is in education. You need to enlighten the people by educating." Because like back back then, during Batista administration, the literacy rate in Cuba was high. Now it's very low now. That's another thing they, 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 the white Cubans won't tell you that. They will not talk about that. They don't talk about the you know how, you know they don't talk about the healthcare system, how bad it was during Batista administration. They won't talk about how bad the economy was during Batista because he let the mafia, the Italian mafia, when the gambling, the casinos over there, the the prostitution over there, and the drug money, which they was making millions of dollars. This is back in the fifties. Now you can imagine how much money they was making. And today's money, so they were making billions of dollars. Okay, let's keep shit real. So what I'm saying is that the Western media like to be biased. They only give you a story from one-sided point of view. They never give you two from two-sided point of view. They give you one-sided. Like I told you, there's three sides to a story. There's the there's the there's there's he says she said, and there's the truth. So the truth. There's three sides to a story. So that's why you have to really go in depth and look at what's really going on in that in, in, in that country you're talking about. And I've never been to Cuba, but I studied about Cuba. I watched the documentary. I read books on Cuba, on Castro, particularly on Castro and his idea. Like I told you, Castro was a nationalist who became a dictator because he was under tremendous pressure from America. That's why he ended up joining the Soviet Union. Because that was not his plan. People keep saying that was his plan. That was not his plan. His plan was to negotiate, first of all, with the with the wealthy Cubans in Cuba, and secondly, with the U.S. government. He wanted to negotiate where, where it can benefit everybody. But the, the wealthy Cubans who now reside in South, South Florida and elsewhere part of this country, but most of them are Central Florida, South, that's where they reside. They control that market down there. So they didn't want to go. Most of them they want to negotiate with Castro, and when Castro came to America, the the, the the JFK administration with Bobby Kennedy, they didn't want to negotiate either. So so I, either way, he was stuck in the mud. So he had to come back and rethink his uh, his steps. You know his stance. So he said, okay, you guys not gonna work with me, but I got the Soviet over there who want to work with me. That's how he ended up working with the Soviet Union. But that was not his first plan. So Batista himself, like I said before, he was one character. He was one interesting character. He misused the people. He abused the people. He let the mafia and the U.S. government run the country. And that's why there was a lot of hate towards him. Because a lot of people, they want him to be beheaded or executed in the public square. But he ended up fleeing to, to, first of all, he went to Santo Domingo. With Rafael Trujillo, which I'll do a podcast on Rafael, that pendejo. I'll do a podcast on him because he was a fucking blood sucker. He killed 20,000 Haitians during the 40s. So 
50,000 Haitians, not 20, 50,000 Haitians. So he, he was a mulatto also. He was a mulatto also. Wafiel Trujillo uh, at the Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. So that's why um, him and Batista, they was good friends. They end up um, working together, and he amassed a lot of fortune. Batista amassed a lot of fortune. Like I told you before, he stole over $400 million in the U.S., uh, in the Cuban treasury. So he took all that, he took that money to Dominican Republic, then he took the rest of the money back to Spain with him. So he ended up dying in uh, August 6, 1973. That's when he died of a heart attack, according to reports. So Batista was never a friend of the people. Even though he started as a, as a, as a he served for four years from 1940 to 1944. Then from 1952 to 1959, he served as a dictator and he was backed by the U.S. military. So he was killing people all the time. You know, whether you, you talk to him in, a, in the press, whether you talk to him in the street, talk about him in the street, you would be held, you would be tortured, you would be executed in the, in the street. And a lot of people got killed during that, his reign as a leader of Cuba. So don't let those white Cubans in Miami who always give you one-sided point of view. When you talk about Batista, Felgelio, Batista, they kind of, eh, papi, you don't say, no pick English. They don't, they don't understand. They're like, you don't say, I don't know. No, you do know, because Batista was the catalyst of a Castro rise. If Batista was doing good by the people, there would not be a Castro. Castro would not have an interest of becoming uh, taking over. He may have other interests because he was a lawyer. Maybe he joined the, the, the he would have been a, he probably be a judge by now. But he was not interested in running for political. He could have won for president, and he would have won too, because he had a lot of people that was supporting him when he was going to school. So he could have been president if he wanted to. But he saw what was going down in the ground level. And the people was dissatisfied with um, Batista leadership during his reign um, in 1950s and 1940s because he let the mafia run the, the prostitution, the gambling, the drug trade in Cuba and the casinos in Cuba. So that means the people make no money from those things. It was the mafia and the, the multinational companies, U.S. companies that was making all the money in, in Cuba. So only thing, only people that profit from those transaction was Batista himself and his compadres and those wealthy Cubans that reside in Cuba. That's why the first exodus, when Castro said, you know, either you negotiate or you can get out of here. A lot of them, they got shipped out to America. And the second exodus when, that was in 1980 when Castro retaliated towards the U.S. government, where he said, okay, he said, you, you want to play hardball? That guy pitched it, he said, let's play. So he let, he let all those ex-convicts out of jail, thugs and thieves, just like the European did to us here in America. We sent a whole bunch of thugs over here, murderers. So that's why Castro did. He released all the murderers, all the thugs out of jail and put them in a boat and shipped them to, to America. So he like, he said, America, you want to play hardball? How you like them apples? That's why those white Cubans in America hit Castro to the core. They even hit his own, they hold his, hit his whole family. They don't like to talk about nothing good about Castro. All they say, he was a dictator. No shit. You know, oh, he was a dictator. He never done anything for the people. Castro, too, his downfall was um, he should not, he, he, 
you turn the country to a socialist country. But like I said, you have to understand his uh, point of view where, you know, if he was in his shoes, what would you do? Because a lot of us like to criticize people. You never put yourself and say, you know, what would I do in that situation and this situation if I was in that person's shoes? So you don't quick to judge the person for his, his decision. Yes, he was not a perfect man, but he, in his heart of heart, he really loved the Cuban people. He really loved the Cuban people. That's what I like about him. Now you can say, oh, John, he, you know, he was a dictator. He killed people. Of course he did. I know he killed people. I'm not naive, but that's the people that oppose him. Those people that was opposing him, that's the people he really went after. You know, if you didn't oppose him, he was cool with you. But especially those people that was in Batista regime, a lot of those white Cubans, if you notice that their grandfathers or their fathers, they worked for Batista. So they have that um, that um, relationship with Batista. That's why they don't talk bad about Batista because they know that their grandfathers or their fathers, their mothers worked for, for the administration. So they were making so much money during Batista's reign as a president. So they could they said they couldn't say nothing bad about Batista. But with Castro, they would say, they would tell everything bad about Castro. He's a pendejo, he's a maricón. They would tell you everything bad about him. he's a tyrant. You know, they would say everything bad about Castro. But when it comes to Batista, you hear a pen drop. They will never talk about Batista because their grandparents and they, they make so much money. And I'm talking about not the poor whites. I'm talking about the the middle class white Cubans, which their their, their lineage go back to Spain. Those are white Spaniards who have Cuban nationality. So those are the like like your boy Pitbull. He's a white Spaniard with Cuban nationality. You know, Dale, Dale. You know, that's his his word. He like to you. Let's go, Dale. So that's you know, Pitbull. He's a white Cuban. Uh, with uh, Cuban nationality, his father is white, out of Spain. So don't let them fool you with this bullfonery, because a lot of them they're racist as hell. A lot of those white Cubans are racist. El Muen la sister. I repeat, El Muen la sister. Those white Cubans in South Florida, El Muen la sister. Tu sabe. So a lot of you guys are racist as hell, and you come to this country, you shit on the Haitian, you shit on Jamaican down there in South Florida. And then you're the one that came with this bilingual bullshit. Now everybody have to learn Spanish. And when you live in America, that's bullshit. We don't have to learn Spanish. We, this is not Cuba. This is not Guatemala. This is not fucking Mexico. This is America. You have to speak English here. But they changed the law. Now that's why they're getting sued in South Florida. Because now for you to get anybody that lives in South Florida, they have to learn Spanish to get a job. I don't know if you guys saw the video on Facebook where the young sister went to Taco Bell. The lady who was speaking all Spanish to her, he told the lady, I don't speak Spanish. This is America. Why are you not speaking English? She said, oh, you want to speak English? Go to the other Taco Bell across town. Those are the things that they don't pay on the press. They don't talk about immigration. Now, I know what they do to the Mexican is wrong. Nobody's saying it's right. But let's call a spade a spade. When it comes to social issue, where's those white Cubans with us? Where's those Mexicans? Are they out there protesting when, uh, when Trevor Martin got killed? Were they out there getting, when um, Eddie Long got killed? They was not out there protesting. But when it comes to migration, they want you to jump the gun. Say, hey, papi, I need you. No, you no, no. Hold your own nuts. Okay? 
And they changed the law in South Florida. Now they're being sued by those black Americans. Like I told you, the black American, they're the one that they that suffer the most because they are the one that being for the longest. The Negro American, they take him to court with that bilingual shit. Because if you're working for corporate America, the person don't have to speak Spanish to get the job if they qualify. You can't say they have to speak, they have to be bilingual. They, they, they don't have to be bilingual. Because this is US, I mean, this is America. This is not Cuba. This is not Mexico. This is not Panama. This is not Venezuela or Colombia. This is America, the United States of America. We speak English over here, which is the American English, not the, um, the Queen's English. But nonetheless, we speak English here. So don't tell people they have to speak Spanish to get a job, to get a freaking job when they are qualified for the position. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a bad thing. And especially those black Negroes out here, they are, they've been suffering for a long time under slavery. So they have, they have the right. They don't have to. Now, you can say they have an option to speak Spanish, but you don't say it's mandatory for them to speak Spanish because they didn't learn Spanish in school. Most of them did not learn Spanish in school until the 1990s, some might argue, or late 1980s. That's when Spanish became a curriculum in the U.S. Um, school. Before that, it was not a curriculum. So don't tell people they have to learn Spanish before to get a job when they qualify for that job. You know, that's, that's asinine. You cannot tell people that. So those white Cubans out in Miami are very racist. They're not the only one. Mexicans are like that too. You have Colombians are like that. Those are white Colombians in Miami, you know who you are. So a lot of them are like that. So their mindset, that's what I'm saying. When you watch Telemundo or uh, Univision, you don't see people of color. You say, wow, those countries have 40 million. They have black people in those countries. How come you don't see a, a black news anchor? How come you don't see a black lawyer, a black doctor? on TV because they're racist as hell. They're not going to put no black doctor on TV or a black lawyer. They ain't going to do that. A black judge, for that matter. They ain't going to do that. They'll put, they'll put a black entertainer goofing around, but they're not going to put somebody serious on TV that look black or so-called black, so-called Negro, so or Negra, or Moreno. They ain't going to do that. So Batista was Maricón. He may go straight to hell. He's going straight to freaking hell for what he did to the Cuban people over there in Cuba. You know, he died with a heart attack. So that means he died a horrible death. Those of you who know heart attack is something that is hard for a person to breathe when they get a heart attack. So that means he died a horrible death because of all the deeds, all the bad deeds he did is karma. Karma is a bitch. He died of a heart attack. Okay? Pendeo, maricón. You're going straight through hell because all the stuff. I hope you repent to God before you die. If you didn't repent, you're going straight through hell. El pendejo, maricón. So Batista was a pendejo. Okay? It was not Castro. I like Castro. I love Castro. Now, I don't agree with everything that Castro did. Like I told you, you have to be critical-minded. I don't agree with everything Castro did. But I, I will say this. He was the best leader Cuba ever had. One of the best. By far. By a long shot. Okay? By over a thousand miles. He was the best leader Cuba ever had. Whether you like him or not, but you cannot deny his leadership. He was the best leader they ever had. 
So that being said, I'm not, I'm, I don't have no horse in this race. I'm not Cuban, by the way. So I know history. I'm not watching the Western media who only give you one-sided story because they're always going to make Castro look bad. Because I told you guys before, if it was for the embargo that was posed against Castro in the 60s, Cuba would have been better off economically because they know that Cuba was on the rise and they didn't want the whole South America to follow Castro's lead. That's another reason why they wanted to kill him. And another thing that they hate about Castro, they couldn't kill him. That's another thing they hate about him. They couldn't kill him. They tried many avenues to kill him, from his cigar, his shoes. They sent prostitutes to his hotel to, to poison him. And who she ended up having sex with, but the lady fell in love with him. So they tried everything in the book to assassinate him. They fell miserably, like I told you guys before. The U.S. government and those white Cubans in Miami will become CIA operative or proxies to go out there in Cuba and overthrow. They still try to overthrow Raul right, right now, as I speak to you. They still find a way to overthrow the government down there. Because they want to go back to the island and run the, uh, the island again. And I told you, really, when they get uh, control of the island, they're going to resort to the same thing they were doing before. They're going to have a lot of racist law that were going to oppress the black people there. I have to tell you, Cuba is about 80% black, okay? It's about 80 to 75% black over there. The, the, the population of Cuban over there, those like, that's a, f- a small fraction of the population. That's about 5 to 10% of the population. Cuba is about 80% black, okay? So that being said, thank you for tuning in. Um, adios. You guys have a great day. Take care. Bye.